Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, back for another episode of the Westside Personalized Podcast, and I'm at uh, Westside Middle School today, getting a chance to visit with my friend Michaela Baker uh, a little bit about um, kind of PLPs and personalized practices in the middle school classroom, and so this is one that we've kind of talked for a while about recording and had to um, really wait for some of Michaela's doctoral work uh, to come along to a place where we felt like, yeah, we were ready to share some of those things that she put some time in over winter break, right? Yep. Uh, getting a chance. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was some time, I'm sure, um, over winter break with that. And so happy to yeah have you on the podcast today. So thanks for taking some time. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. And uh, maybe let's just start there. You know, obviously you've spent quite a bit of time um, working on a PLP in particular. So do you want to kind of talk us through like gosh, what the heck is a PLP and how you've started to like delve into that a little bit more with your research. Okay, so ideally a personalized learner profile is something that the students, the parents, and the educator work on together. And it's supposed to be this fluid document that we can add to, that we can take away from. It could be um, student interest, it could be the way that they learn, it could be demographic information, you can have test scores on there. It's really up to the however either the district wants to set it up or the building or even the individual teacher um, which I'll talk about a little bit later about how I did a personalized learner profile within my own classroom Mm -hmm. but through my research I pulled um, seven teachers here from the middle school and we had they did journals they I did like researcher memos as I gathered information from them we did a pre-interview and a post interview to learn about well what do you put in a learner profile like how do you get at that information information we even want to know from kids, Um, what are some of the challenges you have in even using that information, and so those were kind of my core questions that I was trying to get at through my research. So one of my major discoveries is that teachers do not, when we talk about it, they understand the difference between that survey tool and a profile. They understand that those are two different things, but in practice they don't use them as two different things. They think they're doing a learner profile, but all they are doing is collecting that information via a survey of some kind, which is not actually a profile. And so that was the biggest clarifying, like we talk about it now and we're like, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. But when in practice, we don't actually do that. Right. Which is interesting. So then that would lead me to believe um, okay, let me give some context here then. Uh, we've identified our five elements of personalized learning, right? Where we're knowing our learner, data-driven decisions, voice and choice, which I prefer to say choice and voice, but that's beside the point. <laughs> Flexible spaces and, and tech integration. And people tend to gravitate towards that choice piece first. And they say, oh, this is like where I understand differentiation, so that's gonna be a, a safe place for me to start to build my personalized model. And eventually, they get to a place where they're like, oh yeah, like data, like I, it'd be good to sort of know I'm going to give you choices, <laughs> mm-hmm. what kind of info like is necessary. And so are you see, seeing that teachers typically are um, knowing their learners by giving these surveys, getting information for themselves, but that's about as far as it goes? Yes, it's not particularly systematic. Mm-hmm. And at the middle school level with teaming, being a middle school philosophy, it would be such 
a great thing to leverage if we could somehow make that systematic so that way at least the core team could use it. Um, it'd be nice if you know we can expand that to Encore and whatnot, but at least the math, science, social studies, language arts people could really be working in and digging in with those students. Um, another discovery that I had is that teachers don't go back to that information unless they're struggling with a student, which is not the purpose of a learner profile. Like it could be, that could definitely be part of mm -hmm. it, but that's not the end all be all right. of a profile. And in a couple of the journal entries from my participants, they would say how they accidentally were meeting a student's needs and it wasn't necessarily purposeful. Intentional, yeah. Yep, exactly. And so we need to get at that, how do, once I collect that information, how do I then use it purposefully? And I think a lot of that comes back to our professional development. Like, okay, let's pilot test a learner profile with a team or two teams or right. whatever, and then figure out how, okay, how do we use this? Mm -hmm. And that's great that you bring that up because one of the things in my role currently is that, so we're going through training everyone on what we're gonna call personalized learning 101, right? The five elements I just talked about, what are these, what's a broader, richer definition for each, and, and in what ways do they kind of overlap, right? In the way I just sort of like tried to articulate a minute ago. Uh, so, but then from there, uh, we're already looking to next year, like what's a 102? Like what are gonna be those next level, how do we extend now that I know and I'm starting to practice these things? And I certainly think that that data conversation is one where we say, okay, if this, you know, PLP has these 15 pieces of information, what, what lesson are you doing right now? Like what's one thing that you're doing in your class? Which of those pieces of information do you think are relevant towards you? In some cases, like we're talking about, helping a student um, get through a brainstorming uh, writer's block or, mm -hmm. or uh, yeah, kind of that creative, I don't know, I got to find my idea to begin something. Uh, but then also knowing, like, too, that this is something you need to present to the student with so that they can be actively making choices. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and I think that sensibility about what's important and what's not. What have you found, I guess, so I'll kind of set this up, because that needs to change, I would think, as frequently as you change the activities. <laughs> so uh, how has that uh, kind of played out? Or what have you found, like maybe discipline to discipline as far as which pieces they pick for, per lesson? Is that accurate with what you've like researched? Kind of. Um, so teachers only collect information at the beginning of the year. Like we naturally observe. Like we naturally get like students to do demonstrations of things or through our own observations of students in the classroom and we gather information that way, but it's not a formal way of gathering that information. Right. The only time we formally gather from my research is at the beginning of the year, we gather that information from the kids and a lot of teachers have, they don't have a systematic way of saying, okay, I want to know X, Y, and Z. It's just through experience that they're like, it'd be nice to know this. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that came out was interests. They want to know what the kids are interested in. They want to connect with them. They also want to know what their life is like outside of school, making those, those connections with kids to know their learner. Um, and what was really interesting is the soft skills yep. and how do we get at that in a learner profile? That is difficult. You know, like, I want to know, okay, Andrew, you don't work well in groups, but do you know you don't work well in groups? <laughs> right. Or you struggle to turn in assignments on time, but do you, is that something you as a student recognize? Mm -hmm. um, and then what are some skills that we can use as a team to help that student be successful in those soft skills? See, and that's where I think uh, that agency piece, that agency part of personalized learning kind of meets this, this PLP, and that if we're really trying to support students 
and gaining the confidence necessary to take on any task, they have that confidence comes from a place of understanding who you are as a learner and the conditions necessary for you to optimize your productivity uh, and to be yeah, a contributing member to groups and yeah, a creative process, all these things, right? Soft skills. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I think is a, is a challenge, and so I'm glad that as a district, our PLP group is sort of delving into this, you know, and, and it's awesome, you know, your research is kind of right on, on that cutting edge too, is that the challenges with this can be, one, the conditions for me potentially in English might look a little bit different in math in terms of just even where I sit or what I'm, where I'm comfortable. Uh, and it also, those things might change. So if you just do it at the start of the year, like you're talking about, um, Johnny might say, well, gosh, I, I work best in groups. And then about after three or four weeks of Johnny not being very productive in a group and then working in pairs and then working in isolation going, actually, this is a great place for me. <laughs> like mm-hmm. kind of, you know, for individual tasks being off to the side, how do we update? Uh, how frequently? And sometimes is that teacher or content specific, I think, becomes a nuanced challenge that creating an accurate one of these uh, would, uh, those are the things we're going to have to run into. But great problems to have. We're getting to that place. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So have you, um, did you see any of those kind of things in your research that made you go, oh, this is going to certainly be something we'll have to like, think about and work through moving forward? I think asking the questions in a student-friendly way that gets at the answer we want as an educator. One of my participants does um, multiple intelligences. And so she had to figure out, she ended up giving the kids pictures. She does like a slideshow and goes through it with the kids as the kids answer the questions. So that way she gets the answer she's hoping for. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that is another layer. If you're doing multiple intelligences, okay, I'm musically intelligent. That's one of my high ones that I score in. Okay, well, what about music? Is it composing music? Is it... uh, I don't know a lot about music, but as you can tell, <laughs> right, but right, like right. what those different facets of those multiple intelligences, there are so many layers that you have to go beyond and go deeper into those things. It's you can't just say, "Well, my intelligence is music." Okay, well, what about music? Yeah, that's and it's tough because then as you provide all these choices too, as an educator, you have to be able and willing to support your students across all the nuances of who they are and. Sometimes you don't know everything about music, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? like yeah. as, as their teacher. And, and I think, sorry, I'm kind of getting into another conversation here too, but that's where that whole tech piece and, and being able to like utilize resources so that a teacher doesn't have to really be, we talk about sometimes like no 40 different programs to create choice options. It'd be mm-hmm. great if we just had a resource that where students could go and explore the four different choices and support our teachers so that we don't all have to be speaking at ISTE in order to facilitate a personalized classroom. (laughs) Yeah, and technology actually was a common thread, the code that I came up with a lot. It was a common theme. The struggles with using technology, um, because one teacher wanted to use YouTube videos, Mm -hmm. and this year was the first year we had YouTube open up to us here at the middle school, and at first, at the beginning of the year, it was a struggle, because there really are so many great resources on YouTube that you can pull or you can modify, which is really nice. We have the technology here to do that, when do you have the time right which was an, another theme that came out over and over again is that if you look at like brian mccloskey's comparing individualization to differentiation to mm-hmm. personalized learning a lot of our teachers are really comfortable in that differentiation like you brought up sure. with choice that's clear to me as an educator you know okay i can provide choice i'm comfortable in that differentiation mm-hmm. so how do we really pull teachers into that true personalized learning category that brian mccloskey talk about right um and i think technology is one way to do it you don't have to have technology but it's a great resource that we are fortunate enough to have here 
Yeah, and that's something that uh, in our training we talk about often is that, you know, some, a parent approached me one time when I was coaching cross-country and was like, well, isn't this personalized learning thing just a pendulum swing from the over-testing? And I was like, yes, sort of. <laughs> like, I feel like we're, we certainly are swinging away from that, but into a, a world, which is a whole segment of our, our intro for our training, is to say that, like, things are different. Things have changed. Like, the globalization plus, uh, which has really been facilitated by all of this technology, provides an opportunity to personalize to a degree that was, we'll go SAMR model, right? Like never before possible. <laughs> so um, with all those yeah, pieces out there, um, leveraging those effectively can certainly yeah, make that personalization like just real, make it happen. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, so let's talk in your classroom, right? All right, so how have you, having you know, learned all these things and experienced and synthesized all these stories, um, how's that sort of influenced maybe one of your personalized, do you kind of go by, by procedures more or do you take it a unit at a time or how does that sort of function I guess for you okay so let me backtrack a little bit about yeah. how this even came about good I love context okay I love, I love <laughs> stories this will be great so I went to the Google conference in Lincoln and we there was something about like autocrat and the, there was an administrator there that was using Autocrat with Google Forms to do like walkthroughs. And I'm like, okay, well, how could I use this as a teacher? Tell me about Autocrat real quick. Okay, so Autocrat is like a mail merge. And so you fill out your Google Form and then it merges it into like an email format or a Google Doc or whatever. So it just fills in wherever you have your tags. Okay. Okay. Um, so I was thinking about, okay, how could I use this? And I knew I was going in with my dissertation. I knew I wanted to go personalized learning, but I wasn't, wasn't exactly sure where. And then this whole facet of learner profiles came about, and I just grabbed onto it. Mm -hmm. So I developed uh, a Google form where I asked kids questions, which the first time I did it was awful, was not Wait, kid wait, wait. You mean friendly. the first time you did something, it wasn't crazy success? I'm going to go on a rant for a minute. Hold on. Okay. Because some people, I get a little bit frustrated with this. Sorry, I'm going to be really adamant here on the podcast. But, <laughs> but in order to improve, right, oftentimes you have to go through the road bumps of getting, like, into this new mode of whatever it is. And some people that try personalized learning experience that first bump. And in the classroom, they're like, oh, I totally see where this is going next. And this is great. And the ceiling has now like been raised for future lessons. But if you kind of set back and go, okay, I want a snapshot immediately. Did you score as well You know, <laughs> this year? Did your students score as well this year as they did last year? When you personalize thing and you're like, eh, it's about even. Or actually it dropped about ooh, three points or four points. And you're going, that's not a fail. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? That's a... That's a fail forward at the at the worst. Mm -hmm. I feel like sorry, I'm done. Soapbox, I'm like stepping down. But I get I get frustrated about that because we have to trust our teachers enough to know, um, to give them the freedom to be able to grow uh, over time, realizing that yeah, hopefully we are we should be raising the ceiling with this. So that was a lot for the comment that you made. So. <laughs> That's okay. All right, so um, that it, was yeah. actually when I was at the high schools when I tried okay. it. So I had the kids fill out the Google form. They did the autocrat. It created this this learner profile that I created on a Google top doc. So you did like I had like the tags. So it filled in there like first name, last name, class section, whatever other information I wanted to know from them. Right. Well, I discovered that you can't modify the Google form and like have the kids add information onto the PLP using Autocrat. Like the kids, you have to manually oh. go back to the document for all a hundred and some kids if you wanted to add something. And I was like, oh gosh, this is horrible. So you really have to think about what you want on there and mm -hmm. how you're going to use it throughout the year in order to 
make it purposeful and useful for the entire year. Like it's great for that first round, um, yep. which is why I'm glad in our group for our personalized learning profile creators. Yes. Yeah. Our focus group yeah. that we're thinking about this and how is it something that can be updated because the way that I did it is not sustainable and is not great for mass use. Yeah. Okay. Um, Should I take two seconds to say what we're thinking yes. as a group? Sure. Yeah. Um, We've sort of broken down the PLP conversation uh, as follows here, right? That you would have what we're going to call a core PLP, which is your 15, 16, 17 pages worth of like all the stuff that you could potentially ever want to know. Um, and we're figuring out what the heck those questions might even be, like uh, what needs to go in there and even getting categories was a little bit challenging. But then how great would it be as if as a teacher on an iPad or some piece of tech, you could kind of go a la carte, right? And you go through and go, T -t 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 -t. I'm going to pick these three pieces from this core, like bring that over for this lesson and all my students can see it. And I can have this like on a just class roster where I just click on Johnny's name and up comes the three pieces that I wanted to see because I know we're doing this today and those are the most relevant pieces of data information that I need to support Johnny. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there though, the challenge becomes, yeah, how frequently does that get updated and all the things we mentioned earlier. But yeah, I love that we're kind of, let's, let's do this. Let's have these conversations and figure out how to make this work. So now that you have, it sounds like, I guess to kind of keep it in that context, you have, you're, you've created a functional PLP in the classroom that certainly has more than what you need in a day. So it's kind of like core functional merge, Some right? Some sort of hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we're seeing teachers. That's the other thing I guess I'm going to say real quick too is that teachers are creating these pieces. So it's not like we're just doing this thing because, oh, it'd be great or it'd be nice. Like it's happening. I even saw in kindergarten the other day at a goal sheet. Mm -hmm. And they had, you know, these little like personal goals and things that they want and things that they're interested in um, all the way through high school. Uh, and so with that said, you have this piece in place. Okay, so then um, I came to the middle school and I knew I wanted to do this and I tried it last year and it still wasn't what I wanted it to be because I, you know, first year you try something mm -hmm. and you're teaching a new curriculum and you're trying, just trying to figure out what pieces go in and what fits. And so this year is by far the best one that I've come up with because I've added, we do maps here. And so there's like a seventh grade score, then they have their fall, winter, and then eventually mm -hmm. they'll have their spring. That's something I added. Um, and then through my research, when I was learning about the different formal and informal inventories, like did I want to do like a reading interest Eliza? Did I want to do like uh, multiple intelligences, like trying to pull some of those things that already existed. Right. And it became this massive document, which is my next hurdle, which I'm mm -hmm. glad our focus group is working on and thinking consciously about how much do we want to actually collect and what's actually going to be useful. Sure. Because I included like the habits of mind rubric on there and it's massive. Ooh, wow. That's you cool know? that that's in there though. And so I had the kids like self-rate themselves on this rubric, but it was bell work for like two, three weeks straight. Like, <laughs> good Lord, right. are we done with this already? Like, it just got so laborious. And Because well, as currently constructed, that's all on you to do. Yeah. And unfortunately, when they leave, there's nowhere to like push that, mm -hmm. um, which is what having that core would certainly give you the opportunity to do if we can develop that. And what I like about the Google form, the initial information that I collect, it's on a spreadsheet. So I can then sort it and I could see, okay, this class is maybe more visual learners or this class is their growth mindset is really high or low or whatever it is that's on that initial form. And then there were other things that I put on there that we filled out over time because that original Google form that they fill out 
that creates the PLP, I don't want it to be very long. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want them to spend two hours trying to fill out this form. <laughs> right. You have to condense it and then the rest of it, but then the stuff that's not on the Google form is not on my sheet, my Google sheet. And so then how do I collect uh, I that information so it's sortable? And those are just some challenges that I personally mm-hmm. have had to deal with and come up with. And there's no easy answer right now with the right. way that I do it. But if we try to do it through Illuminate or some other program, um, we'll be able to pick and choose, which will be really nice. Yeah. Much more awesome. user-friendly. Yeah, because it's overwhelming to a student or a teacher. Mm-hmm. If I click on Johnny's name, to get back to what I was talking about earlier, and there's 15 pages worth of things there. I'm like, where is it? What am I? What should I look at? Versus mm-hmm. like the yeah, like we're saying the two or three um, that would be most beneficial. So then, um, you talked a little bit earlier about how this is, and I think it makes sense. A great way for a teacher to be able to help a struggling student. How do you see using this though in in another like situation in class? I guess beyond just I don't know some of the things you referenced earlier. Um, so we do different learning paths for our books that we do. So we have like choice novel units and the students can choose an honors learning path or a standard learning path. When we rolled it out last year, which was the first time I was doing this curriculum, we did have a standard plus. So where kids started on that standard learning path and we tell them pretty much every day, okay, you're doing X, you're doing Y. Um, and then as students gained independence, they could move to that standard plus. Okay. Um, and then this year we decided to take away that as even an option for kids. It more is a natural, something that evolves naturally. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not a formal learning path, but it happens. Yeah. They're still considered on the standard learning path, but I'm like, okay, you three, you got this. You don't need to sit with me and need that basic comprehension. You don't need that okay, what's actually happening? Like, Buck is a dog. You did not know Buck was a dog. Okay, let's get, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, those kinds of things. And then the honors learning path, we typically have them read two books, and those books have something in common, and they do a lot where they, um, like with the hero's journey, where they're comparing how the paths of the main characters are, how they're similar in plot structure, and just whatever, whether it's characterization, whatever skill we're focusing on for that yeah. unit. So it's really kind of nice that, I push everything out and the kids have everything they need uh, and I check in with those different groups but then I could focus in on those groups where I'm like okay I know you four you five like you're gonna be with me because we need to focus on this because you struggle in area Mm -hmm. whatever area it might be Um, and it's also nice to know like their work habits just general growth mindset to see where they are so we can have those conversations. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this is going to be tough, and you don't have it yet, but yeah. you're going to get there. You know, <laughs> that coaching right. aspect of teaching. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to know that about kids. And I think, to your, to your earlier point, these are things that we have sort of held in our brains always as educators. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just to have that someplace where you can consistently yeah, have that, that peace for everyone and not just the what they're sort of <laughs> kind of this way sometimes <laughs> you know mm-hmm. the to actually have it in, in writing and and that it's a collab maybe this is it too I'm just kind of thinking out loud here that it's also something that the student is like articulating to you because sometimes their self-perception is different from your perception of them um, and if you're having conversations about those things hopefully it gets to a place that's a little bit true truer to like the reality does that make mm-hmm. sense at all I guess yeah um, so, well, gosh, we kind of delved into a lot of things there. Um, and well, one more thing I was going to bring up to, before we kind of get to the end of the podcast, 
I like the idea too of profile, like um, in the in the PLP, there being a portfolio is where I'm going with that. Yes. Uh, and this idea of are we bringing things along? And we got into an interesting conversation in our last like PLP meeting where what if that is something that, yes, you can put those things and it's nice for students to be able to go back and see their previous work or for parents to access and see like the progression over time. And that stuff's great. Uh, but functionally as a classroom teacher, so this is why I bring this up now because we were saying like how else could I use this PLP? Mm-hmm. I need to know if I'm going to give you choice in a personalized setting, right, to demonstrate your understanding whatever way you want, that you don't go, okay, I'm going to make a keynote in English class. And then I'm going to go to math class and in the same like opportunity, make another keynote. And then when I go to social studies, I'm going to make another keynote. And guess what? For the next four years, anytime I'm given choice, I'm making a keynote and you can't fault that teacher because they have no idea like that Johnny made a keynote. Mm-hmm. You know, previously, I don't know why I reference Johnny all the time, <laughs> but poor John. Um, <laughs> but I think that from a teaching standpoint, you know, maybe it's not even that I like have all of Johnny's keynotes, but just that I like have some little list that says like, okay, what what style of product was turned in, um, and maybe even this would probably be next level. Like, if you had to give that on a scale of one to ten, what was the quality of this too? Because mm-hmm. I also don't want to say, well, you made a video, and it was pretty pretty basic and pretty you know kind of bad maybe even uh, that when you go to want to create a video again that you can't because you've already done that well we have to allow iterations for growth and development of skills right but certainly don't want somebody just getting pigeonholed in on doing the same thing over and over again at Mm -hmm. the same quality because you're not growing and then you're not learning yeah Uh, so I think that it certainly has its application within a personalized structure like in that context as well yeah absolutely yes Oh, fun times. I get fired up talking about this stuff. I do too. It's fun. <laughs> I know. Thank you. And we'll hopefully uh, we'll have to like revisit kind of talking to you maybe at the end of the semester or over the summer or something about as you see this stuff continue to play out because I love where you're at with this research and I love that you're part of our team kind of like trying to figure out what this would look like uh, and I love that our system is ripe for it too, you know, as we continue to work with all of our teachers on getting more personalized practices that uh, if we can meet them with this you know, dream PLP that we're going to hopefully try to build. Uh, that'll be really fun. So uh, anything you'd kind of like close with, advice to other people, or just kind of advocate for a PLP in general? Don't be afraid to try things and use what you know about your kids purposefully. Couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.